Let's open our Bibles uh, to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Um, for a few weeks anyways, I want to do some, <clears throat> some favorite verses um, before I start on a new book. And uh, <clears throat> let me ask you a question. Do any, of you, do any of you have a life verse? Any of you have a life, life verse? Any of you know what that means? <laughs> Basically, it means a verse that is just like the most important verse to you. And it, it's just like your life is just kind of like part, part of that. And, and it's part of you. And, and, and it, it kind of motivates and, and gives you kind of direction in your life. And, and, you know, I didn't really know much about that. I was never, never uh, quite clear on that. Um, you know, it wasn't something I was necessarily taught about. But, uh, you know, meeting the, the, the Kinnaman family, I heard that they all had life verses, right? And so I said, well, what, that's not fair. They all get life verses, and i got to have a life verse too, and because uh, it's a good idea. I'm going to have a lot of favorite verses, and I'm going to, like I said, for the next few times at least teach on some of my favorite verses. You, and you'll kind of get to see why, you know, kind of into my head a little bit of like, you know, where do I go? You know, what verses do I go to that are like, that I always go back to. There's like three or four that, and you'll, you'll say, man, that guy's really lost it. I think he's, to, when you see some of the ones that I'm going to do in the next few times, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, but Bill Kinnaman taught one Sunday years and years and years ago from this passage. And for me, verse 12, if you want to look at verse 12, um, <clears throat> it says, oh, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. That was like, that became for me like my life verse. Now, Bill didn't come up to me and say, son, this is now your life verse. Though, though he, they did give their children life verses when they were, right? When they were young. When they were born. And then, you know, later on when they get older, they, they explain to them what they were and what, what their verses were and everything. Well, that, that was kind of like the verse that came to me, verse 12, and, and we'll talk about that. And, and really, chapter 20 of Second Chronicles is a story of faith. It's a story about the faithfulness of God. It's a story, it's about prayer. It's about uh, God speaking, God's word. It's about worship in word and, and in song and in music, and it's about victory, really, is what it's about. All those things. Well, let's just go ahead and, 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 uh, and look at it, starting in verse 1. It says there, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meunites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was uh, a king, right? And, and he had these people, these Groups of people, many of them, we'll see in, in, in verse 2 and other verses, it was a vast army, came to attack, came to make war upon them. And right really from the, from the gate here, uh, it, it tells me that, you know, there's something about war, there's something about being attacked, and there's something about uh, battles that we face in this life. Do you ever have attacks in your life, I wonder? Any of you? If you're honest, really, the, the fight really, we have battles really on three fronts. You know, it's hard when you have a, it's hard enough when you have a battle on one front, right? You face one front, but we have battles on all different sides, three fronts, really. One of them is, is the world, 
And you know this. And the second one is what? The flesh. And the third one? Somebody said it. The devil. You can say that word. You know, I was thinking about that when Jim was praying about North Kingstown. You know, we, our church is on Devil's Foot Road, but we are in North Kingstown. And Jesus is the king, is what we just studied in the book of Matthew. And he is the king of this town. He's the king of this church. And the devil, he wants to get a foothold, but we can't give him a foothold because he wants to put his foot in. You see what I'm saying? You can say amen on that. So we fight the battle on three fronts, the world around us, our own flesh. We've got we to fight from within, too, not just outside, but inside. And then we have this spiritual enemy, this, the devil and, and, and his minions, his, you know, underlings that we have to fight about. And, you know, it's all three, really. You can't blame just one. It's all three. And they all kind of, you know... F- seem to be conspiring against us to go forward. It's like, you, you know, uh, Flip Wilson used to say, you know, the devil made me do it. And, and you can blame the devil for everything, you know. And, and, and I've seen people trying to cast out uh, the flesh because they blamed it on the devil. And it was really the person's own flesh that was doing those things. And they needed to, to you know, get victory over their own flesh, but they're trying to cast out the devil. You see what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? Let the blame be where the blame should be. Anyways, they had these three groups of people, just like we have battles that we have to fight. Verse 2, it says, Some, some men, and came, uh, men came and they told Jehoshaphat, A vast army, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. It's a vast army, he says. And that phrase is repeated four times in this chapter, this vast army. It's huge. And I don't know about you, but when I'm under attack, you know, it's not some little army that I think I can, I'll beat that one down. No, it's always huge. It's always way bigger than it, maybe even than it really is. And, and that's why, you know, Satan, it says he, he you know, he roars like a roar. He comes at you like a roaring lion and it's a lot of noise and it seems huge, right? But this vast army, and the truth of the matter is we are outnumbered. We are outnumbered. Let's just get that straight from the beginning. Uh, Jehoshaphat sees that, as we're going to see here. He realizes that we are outnumbered. We, when I say we, I mean we as people, as human beings. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We've got this stuff going on in our lives. What does Jehoshaphat do? Look at verse 3. It says, alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. He, he was alarmed, and we get alarmed too, and he says, first we got to do is we got to pray, we got to fast, we got to ask God, we got to turn to the Lord. Where do you turn? You turn to the Lord. You don't turn to some, you know, self-help book or some kind of formula that you're going to use to make it through this life. You, you got to turn to the Lord to get through, to fight, to find the answers. It says that he was resolved. He made his mind up. He's committed to inquire of the Lord. And, and, he, and it said he, he proclaimed the fast to deny the flesh, to seek after the Lord, to, to focus totally upon God. We see that 
in the Old Testament, many, many people, many places, excuse me, many places, uh, Samuel, Ezra, Nehemiah, Daniel, Joel, and even the Ninevites in the book of Jonah fasted. Jesus talked about it when you fast in the book of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount, when you deny the flesh that you might seek after God. He said, listen, this is serious. We've got to seek after God. We've got to do what we've got to do. And sometimes that, that's what it means. We've got to take serious steps in our lives to seek after God. It's, this is not a game, you know. Jehoshaphat, it says he was alarmed and fearful because he knew that this was reality. This was truth. This was not just a little spiritual, you know, ping pong game that he was playing here. He was resolved. And I've got to do whatever it takes to seek after the Lord. Get my, get my focus on where it needs to be. Verse 4 says, The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. It's like they got the word and they said, we, 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 whatever we need to do, and they, they got together, these people, to seek help and to acknowledge that they had a need. And that's, again, what, what I was trying to say about the fact that we're outnumbered is that we need to acknowledge that we need help. It's not a bad thing to acknowledge that we need help. If we, if we think that we don't need help, guess what? That's what Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees about. He says, well, if you think you're all fine, guess what? Those that think they don't need a doctor, it's thinking that we're you know, all said. That's the problem. But they, they realize that they acknowledge that they need help. And, and uh, the question is, is who are you going to call? Where are you going to turn? They came together to seek help from the Lord, from every town to seek him. Think about those words, to seek help from the Lord and to seek Him. Not only to seek His help, but to seek Him Himself. There's, that's, there's something about that, you know. We don't just go to God to get help when we're in trouble, but we go to God for Him Himself, too. We seek Him. And it's funny, when we're, when we're in that kind of relationship, when we're seeking Him, you know, the other stuff kind of works itself out. That's why he said in, in Matthew 6, 33, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, and all these things will be added unto you. If you get the first part right, the, the other stuff will be okay. It'll come together. Seek him. Yeah, we, it's not wrong to say, listen, I'm in trouble. I need help. Verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, at the temple of the Lord, in the front of the new courtyard. And then we have his prayer here from verses 6 to verse 12. He says, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Where does he start? He's there standing. He's with all the people. He's at the temple. And where does he start? What does he start with here in his prayer? He starts with God, with who God is. He says, you're the God of our fathers. You're the God who's in heaven. You're the God who rules over all. Rules over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. He, he began to... And, 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 you know, he's not telling God anything that God doesn't already know, right? So for him to be praying like this, 
Who's he reminding? Himself and all the people that were around him as well when he was, when he was confessing that God was the God in heaven. Jesus, you know, remind, reminds us of what Jesus taught his disciples. You know, he said, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Starts with who God is. In verse 7, look, what he goes on from there to what God has done. Oh, oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? What had God done? God had, had opened the doors. God had brought them into that land. And, and now we see some attacks on uh, their place in the land. Verse 10, excuse me, uh, verse 8 <clears throat> says they have lived in it. And they have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, <coughs> excuse me, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. Does anybody know where that came from? Remind you of anything? From what? The prayer of Solomon, right. When Solomon dedicated the temple, he, you know, it was part of his prayer. God, you know, when we're standing here, when we're facing towards this place, and we have these things happen to us, when, when you read the whole context, too, you see that part of it was their own fault. They walked away from God, but if they were out somewhere and, and, and the judgment would be upon them of God from walking away from God and, and they got themselves into trouble. It says, when they turned back and they said, God, they turned back towards God and say, God, help us. He's quoting. He's, he's uh, re reminding them of the prayer of Solomon that God said that he would hear and save. See, we don't just talk into the air. Prayer I spoke a few weeks back about, you know, the, what, what the way ahead is for us and the way ahead really is prayer. And, and God hears us and he saves us. God, you know, I, I don't know why, you know, I've, I've been a, a believer for 35 years, but there are certain things that just start to become brand new. And, and like your eyes are open to certain things again, maybe, maybe they were before, but this idea of, of prayer, that God, is, God hears our prayers and it's just incredible. And, and, and other things, too, sometimes we start to understand it. this idea of being, being united with Christ and, and his death and his burial and his resurrection to live a new life. Prayer. He says he will hear us and he will save us. You know, we pray on Wednesday nights, and I, I tell you what, if you need some prayers answered, you better let us know. Or you better come and let us know what they are, because if, you want, if you're serious and you want those prayers answered, you better just come down. Or send a prayer request into us because we just see over and over and over again, God hears those prayers, those specific prayers we pray. And, and we go like, whoa. You know, this, this last Wednesday, you know, uh, this last Wednesday, we prayed for a sink for our kitchen, right? We've been thinking about it. Oh, it'd be nice to have a sink down there. It's nice to have a sink in a kitchen, you know somewhere to wash dishes and stuff. And so, so we prayed specifically, we need a sink. And, and the very next day, God opens the door for us to find this beautiful sink. You ought to go down and see it. Go ahead. 
no, not right now. And, 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 and not only a sink, but another little sink to put the mops in and, and, and some other stuff that we can use. And, and it's like, whoa, I know that you answer prayer, but like slow down a little bit. Now I got to go get the thing, you know. And, and, uh, and, and earlier in the day, it was like it all just all came together. Earlier in the day, someone said, listen, I have some, some funds I want to uh, uh, put towards that, that kitchen. So okay. It all came together, you see. It's just incredible. God answers prayer, and, and, and this is what, what we see here. What does Jehoshaphat do first? He prays. He prays. He doesn't say, listen, I'm going to get my, uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, start working out and, 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 you know, get all, you know, buff, and then I'm going to go out and fight these people. There, there's more of them, but, you know, we're pretty strong people. No, he, 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 he falls before God, and he says, God, we need help. We need help. Verse 10, he says, But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. That's what they were trying to do. This is the current problem that they had. And we all know, you know, when we solve and we, we, we get victory and, and God works in our lives in one problem, there's going to be another one down the road at some point in time. Just, just you can put that in the bank. Because in the world you will have what? Tribulation, Tribulation but be of good cheer, have overcome the world. But in the world we're going to have that. It's a promise. But they were trying to drive, he says, trying to drive us out of the possession that you gave us. And isn't, I was thinking about that, isn't that like the enemy? He's trying to take away what God has given us. Trying to, but the truth of the matter is he tries, but he fails because he cannot take away what God has given to us. But he gets us to think that we have lost something. He gets us to wander around and, and be in confusion. And, he, and, and God is not the, God, uh, the author of confusion, right? That's that thing about the foothold thing and the devil. He wants to get a foothold and try to mess things up and, and get us out of what God has given to us. But we are alive in Christ. Our sins have been paid for. We have been crucified with Christ and now we live because he was resurrected from the dead. This, this stuff, you know, we, we read in our, our Wednesday night. We, have a, we always have a, a short devotional Bible study and with some worship. And we read about, you know, Colossians 3. It says, you know, if we've been raised with Christ... And how many times do we walk around going, you know what, I've been raised with Christ. I've been raised with Christ. We don't because we're not thinking about it. But the truth is, we have been if we belong to him. I've been raised with Christ. Hey, wait a minute here. I've been raised with Christ. You see what I'm saying? To, for us to understand who we are and, and what God has done for us. He can't take away anything, though. He can't take away anything that God's given to us. He tries to make us think that he can, but he can't. He just can't. Jesus is the king of this town. He's the king of my town. He's the king of your town if you've made him king. Verse 12, oh, our God, will you not judge them? We can't do it. He says, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Remember what I was saying earlier about 
verses that mean a lot to me. This is like me. I have no clue. You all think, and, and you say, well, how can you say that? You're going to make us insecure, whatever. But this is the King Jehoshaphat, right? He's the king of the whole Judah, right? And he wasn't afraid to say, listen, we don't know what to do. But it doesn't stop there. He says, but our eyes are upon you. You see, it's two parts. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. What power do we have? You know, I, do you ever feel that way? You don't know what to do? Do you ever feel clueless? I, you know, that's why it's my life verse. But we can't stop there, right? Because the second half, our, our, our eyes are upon you, he says. We need to keep our, our eyes upon him. That's why Hebrews 12, too, says, you know, to fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes. That means lock them onto Jesus. But man, we don't, do we? We're all over the map. But he says, my eyes are upon you. And that's why what we see here is they, they stopped everything. We got, we got this battle. We got these attacks. They stopped everything. We, we need to fix our eyes on, on the Lord. We need to pray. We need to inquire. We need to seek uh, His help. We need to seek Him. Our eyes are upon you. Someone said this. Here's Jehoshaphat, a king standing before his people. He openly confessed that he did not have the answer. Their only answer was to trust in God, that his power and goodness would protect Judah when nothing else could. It's our only answer, to trust in God. Spurgeon, the preacher uh, from uh, England, said, they said, our eyes are upon thee. What did they mean by that? They meant this, Lord, if help does come, it must come from thee. We are looking to thee for it, It cannot come from anywhere else, so we look to thee. It cannot come from anywhere else. If it's going to come from ourselves, it's come from, you know, a plan that we come up with. No, it's got to come from the Lord. And and, and again, say, well, that's, you know, that's kind of mystical. No, that's, that's reality. That's spiritual truth. That's what comes from God's word is that we need to seek help from the Lord. We need to seek his face. Our eyes are upon you. You see, we think, well, you know, God, I don't know if God knows how to work in the 21st century. You know, it's kind of technologically, you know, advanced. You know, he doesn't, I'm not sure he knows how to work with smartphones and, and, you know, and, uh, you know, all that other stuff. He just laughs at all that stuff. That's just, that stuff is just like, what, what do you, th- you know, he could send us messages on our little phones if he wanted to. What good is that, man? Just put those phones away. Turn your phone off right now, okay? If, someone, if someone's phone rings in the next few minutes, you're going to feel very, very silly. <laughs> because it's not God. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> our eyes are upon you. Look at verse 13. And all the men of Judah, with their wives and their children and their little ones, they stood there before the Lord. What kind of picture do you see in that verse? 
I see them together, the families. Not just the dad, not just the mom. I see them, them coming. The kids are all part of it. We, we, we shouldn't leave our spouses out, our, our children out, our families out. They stood there before the Lord together. That's the picture I see. They stood there before the Lord. And, and so this prayer of Jehoshaphat and the, the hearts of the people all gathering together to seek after the heart of God, what happens in verse 14? Then the Spirit of the Lord came. And it came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, verse 14, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, Levite, and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. So God spoke then. This is what happens here. God speaks. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon this man, Jehaziel. He speaks through him. And the next verses tell us what God speaks through this man. You say, well, well, uh, you know, what's going on here? Well, the Spirit of the Lord, he's, he's functioning as a prophet here. And, and does God still speak through people? Yes. Primarily, though, God primarily has already spoken, though. He's given us his word, you see. Number one, he's spoken, but, but can he still speak through, speak through people? Yes, I believe he can, but it always needs to be judged according to this book. And it always needs to be in line with this book because people, a lot of people are around saying, you know, well, the Lord saith this and the Lord, thus saith the Lord and, and coming up with all these things. And, and, uh, and really what they do is they end up going and building cults is what they do because they're not, they're not checked by what God's word says. He's already spoken. God has spoken to us. He's spoken to us through his son, through his word. But has God spoken to you maybe in, by, by a person who says, you know what? You need to go read Colossians chapter 3. Or maybe, did you ever think about this verse here over in Psalm, you know, uh, Psalm, Psalm, be still and know that I am God. 4610? Have you ever thought about a verse like that? You know, you know what I'm saying? So God uses people still, you see. But when they begin to, you know, say that, uh, you know, God's speaking through me and all this stuff, then, oh, back off, watch out. But God spoke through this man here. And he said these words, listen, King Jehoshaphat, verse 15, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. See that phrase again? Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. He says, listen up. You've got to listen to what God says. There's a lot of voices in the world today. We can't, you know, sometimes we need to, we need to shut everything down. Shut down the TV set, the radio, the, uh, all the magazines and all the books and shut down our smartphones. Shut down all this stuff and, and, and seek after God and his word and, and, and listen to what he has to say. There's a lot of voices, but there's only one voice that really is important. And it's the voice of God. And he says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because of this, because of these circumstances, this vast army. He says, why not? Well, we say, why not? Why shouldn't I be discouraged and afraid? He says, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. The battle belongs to the Lord. If we're following after God, you know what? 
We, 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 need to, we need to stand and see what God will do. We pray and we, and we bring it before him, but then we have to watch and see what he's going to do. When David was fighting the Philistine, who obviously was way bigger than him, he was young, and this Philistine was huge, right? You, know the, you all know the story. You've learned it you know, from a young child, many of you. But David says these words. He says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. He says, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. He said, the battle is the Lord's. He knew that. Now, now we know the rest of the story. He had to show up and he had to do what God asked him to do. But the battle is the Lord's. Moses speaking to the Israelites he said, don't be afraid, stand firm. When the Egyptians were coming after them, after they'd already been you know, taken out of the land of Egypt, he says, you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. They were freaking out, if you remember the circumstances. They were backed up. The sea behind them, right? They, they had nowhere to go, nowhere to turn, and, 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 and they, you know, they wanted to just go anywhere, do anything. But, but Moses tells them, the Lord's going to fight for you. You need to be still. You need to trust, in other words. You need to trust the Lord. Verse 16, what, what happens next? The Lord says to them, tomorrow, march down against them. I don't know if I like that word tomorrow. I, I, why not today? Why can't we have the answer today? Anyways, that's not on the point. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. Tomorrow, march down against them. What did he want them to do? He wanted them to show up. You've got to get up and show up. You've got to show up to the battle. And that's what he wanted them to do. And so many times, you know, we just want to, you know, we're fearful. We want to hide. We want to, I don't want to go out there and face that thing. But, but, but how are we going to see what God's going to do if we don't go out and face it? You know what I'm saying? We've got to show up. And then he repeats it again in verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. But you do need to take up your positions and stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. Isn't that cool? You will not have to face this battle, but you need to show up. You need to take your positions. You need to stand firm, trust God. And see what God will do. Stand and see what the Lord will do. He says it again to them. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And again, he repeats that because we're prone to that. We're prone to fear. We're prone to discouragement. Go out to face them tomorrow. Maybe you've got something going on in your life and you just don't even want to go face it. You know what? The truth is when we pray, God so often says, listen, go out and face it. Stand and see what the Lord will do. The struggle you face, he will fight for you. You've got to go, though. You'll never see it if you don't go. Show up, stand firm, and see what God will do. What's the people's response to God's word? Verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground. 
And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. That is, that's another picture there, huh? The king. The king. And he had all this power, right, in, in, in being a king. And, that, and, and there he is. He's got his face on the ground. And the people, they're all falling down and worship before the Lord. Throughout the scriptures, you can, you can read about this. People like Moses and Aaron, they, they fell face down before the Lord humbling ourselves before God. Verse 19, then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites, they stood up and they praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with very loud voice. So you, you see all these different positions and, and you know sometimes they're on their faces before God, sometimes they're standing up. But here they're praising the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. They weren't afraid to say, praise God for all things. Praise God for what he has done, for what he is going to do. Now, this is actually before, right? This is before any victory. Say, well, whoa, that's asking a lot now. I'm supposed to be thankful and praise God before I ever even see the answer come through? Well, that's what happened here before the victory came. Verse 20, so early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. They got up to do it, what God had said. They were obedient. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and they said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. Judah, uh, you know, he encourages them again and reminds them to trust in the Lord. But look at verse 21. This, this, you've heard about this before. This is, this is where this comes from, this, what you're going to read in verse 21. It says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. See that there? They had the singers, the music, and he put them at the head of the army, at the beginning, at the, at the front, the worship of the Almighty God. And again, this is before anything has ever happened. Sometimes we come here, and can we open a couple windows? Getting a little warm. Can we open a couple of windows? Yeah, Ed. We put the music and the worship ahead. Thanking God for what he's going to do. Thanking God for who he is and what he has done in the past and what he's going to do in the future. We don't often do that, do we? We wait and we, we're glad to sing when everything goes good and, and God gives us something. But what about singing before? Maybe you've come here today and, and you know, you, you are, are just, you know, facing a battle that you have no idea how you are ever going to get through. Well, have you thought about maybe singing to him? What? No. I don't even sing. Why am I going to sing now? There's something about it, I'm telling you what. And this is, this is one of the things I think that the Lord, wa that the Lord wants us to know and that the, the enemy wants us to not know is that there's power in singing and worship. There's power in it. There's something about having a song in your heart and in your mind and in your life and, and worship to the Lord. 
There's something very powerful in it. And Jehoshaphat sees that here, and he sends them out at the beginning of the army. At the head of the army, there were the singers and the worship and the music, and they sang those words. They were familiar words. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. You can find them in other passages before this ever took place. They would sing them. There's something about singing, people. And this is, this is another thing that God is just like stirring up in my whole life and mind and, and heart about, about worship and song and singing. I read a really good article about why we sing, and the number one thing about it is because it helps us to remember God's word, you know? And they were singing God's word here, and, and it was powerful. You know, I, I try to memorize uh, verses, but you know what? If I, if I have them in a song, man, they're like there forever. I still remember verses and songs uh, from Scripture that I learned uh, when I first became a believer, you know, because there's a, there's a song in it. This is what they were doing. You know, God forbid that we, we would ever sing songs that don't have Scripture in them or not based totally on Scripture. Uh, when we do that, let's shut that down, Right? Because if the songs that we sing aren't based on Scripture or directly out of the Scripture, then we're just wasting our time. Might as well go, uh, you know, just sing with the world or something. You know what I'm saying? That's why it's very important, and we, we, we think carefully about the kinds of songs that we sing, and, and uh, you know, are, is there biblical content there? And uh, a lot of the worship leaders that that I uh, respect, guys like Chris Tomlin and Matt Redman, you know, the, the worship that they, the songs they write are like, they're, they're from the scripture. They're built on Bible. Because if they're not, we're, you know, who cares? What good is it going to do you in the middle of the night? <laughs> Nothing but God's word. So they, they sent out the singers at the head of the army and uh, powerful, powerful um, uh, one man said this, the danger was still ahead, the invading army still threatened, but God's people began to praise him before the promised victory was won. And look at verse 22, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Is there any connection between the singing and the ambushes, what seems to, you know, the way it looks there to me, as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes. It, it kind of all works together, you see. God is so good. God is so good. And He deserves our praise and worship, even if He doesn't do anything for us. But then when we sing and worship Him and we see Him work, it's like, this is even better than good. This is incredible, not only good, when we sing and worship and praise and, and, and God puts a song in our heart, even though we're facing these battles, we see that as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against these and they were defeated. The Lord worked. Look what verse 23, the men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. They began to destroy each other. It's just like what God said, and this is always going to be true. It's always going to be just like God said. God said, you're not going to have to fight. You've got to show up. They fought against each other. The enemies that were going to attack them, they destroyed themselves. 
And when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and they looked toward the vast army, that vast army, remember, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So much for the vast army. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder and they found among them a great amount of equipment of, uh, of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder, it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Barakah where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the Valley of Barakah to this day. And the word, if you look in your margin, the word Barakah means praise. The Valley of Barakah, they praised God before the battle. They praised God after the battle. This vast army that was just, you know, so overwhelming. They went out to, to see where they were, who they were, and, and I'm sure they probably had a little bit of apprehension. They go out and they find them, they're all laying dead on the ground, defeated. Verse 27, then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem, they returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem, and they went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets again. Music, you see? God has given it. It's a gift that God has given to us. Yeah, we, we know that the world has taken this thing, music, and, and, and uh, you know, take it in a lot of very uh, wicked and immoral and, and use it for a lot of bad, bad things. But God has given to it to us for a lot of good things, and the Bible is full of, of worship and music. You know what? Fill your car, fill your house, fill your mind and heart with some kind of music. You can go to the bookstore and get a worship tape, and if you need some recommendations, we'll give you some recommendations of what kind of music you like, maybe, and they'll give them to you. I always go down there and to the bookstore in Warwick, and I say, listen, what's, what's, what's new? What's good? What's, is there anything that's really, really good? And he says, well, try this, listen to this. And so I, I sit down with the, the little CD player that he gives you, and, and uh, I sit with a stack of CDs, and I, and I go through them and try to find some that, that, that really, like, you know, it might be something that, 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 that I would like, but also something that you would like and that, that our church might be able to worship and, and sing together, you see. It takes a little bit of effort, right? you got to show up. you got to go down there. They don't send them to me. There are places that will send you new songs, by the way. But They got their instruments out. They made music and they made more worship. And finally, verse 29 the fear of God came upon all the kingdoms of the countries when they had heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. At peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. That's where the peace and rest come from. It comes from God. Is that incredible? Can you apply that to your life? Is, is, is he still the same today? The attacks and the battles that you face, that I face, but we need to pray. We need to trust God's word. We need to stand and see what he will do because the battle belongs to him. We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Let's pray together, shall we?